Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Our New Testament reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, the 21st chapter, verses 5 through 6. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we lived in Charleston, our son Nathan attended the preschool at the church that we served. When we decided to enroll him in a kindergarten at a nearby magnet school, I asked the director of our preschool to write a letter of recommendation for him. She did, and the next day she delivered it. She handed it to me as I was sitting at my desk, and she said, would you please read it now? Sure. This is what she wrote. Nathan Vaughn has been a student at Harborview Presbyterian Preschool for two long years. He is a hateful child. He is as dumb as they come and refuses to participate in any group situation. Nathan has been a challenge to teach. He has no interest in learning and refuses to obey school rules. He is a handful and you are welcome to him. I highly recommend his acceptance in your program. Monica Struble, director. I finished reading her recommendation. I looked up at her and we both just erupted in laughter. Monica was not simply a colleague. She was not simply the first staff person I ever hired in a church. Monica was a very dear and trusted friend. We lived in the same neighborhood and we often walked our dogs together. Our families shared many, many meals together. Her sons looked after Nathan if Deb and I had a place we want to go in the evening. And as I reminded her quite often, Monica, you are the sister I never had. Yesterday, September 11th, marked the first anniversary of her death. She died in hospice care only a few weeks after she had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Before she died, she told me that she had some questions from God, and she added, I'll figure out a way to fill you in on the response. I'm still waiting, and I suspect it's Monica's way of simply irritating me just a little bit more. Uh, grief is anything but linear and orderly. Its painful journey twists and turns, leading us through a maze of sorrow, anger, acceptance, fear. Just when we think we have come to terms with the loss, a voice an aroma, a picture, stirs a memory, 
and we find ourselves once again with tears streaming down our cheeks. Grief is sticky. The human heart doesn't have a neat and orderly filing system. The grief of one loss somehow gets tangled up with the griefs of all of our other losses. Over the past week, I have thought a lot about, about Monica. I have chuckled over her irreverent sense of humor. And I felt again that lump in my throat when I reread the last texts that we sent to one another. God has created us with this remarkable capacity to love, to care about one another, to love one another. And when those relationships end, we hurt, we weep, we grieve. This weekend, as we commemorate the horror of 9-11, we collectively feel that lump in our throats. Documentaries over the last week have reminded us that 2,977 men, women, and children perished in the attacks. 2,977. Where were you when you first heard? In your office? At home? On a trip? How did you hear? A news flash? A telephone call? As I noted in this week's sermon preview, 9-11 demonstrated something to us about human existence, something that we might prefer to ignore or deny, but it is nevertheless something that Jesus addresses in our scripture passage today. Jesus has triumphantly entered Jerusalem. He has gone to the temple, driven out the money changers, pushed back the religious elite, and lifted up a poor widow as a paragon of generosity. The temple is an incredible structure, one of the great marvels of the ancient world. I have stood at the base of its remaining wall, the western wall, the wailing wall. Each stone weighs many, many tons. No wonder people remarked, uh, Lord, what stones? What noble stones! It was a beautiful and magnificent structure adorned with gold that glistened in the sun. When they referred to the temple, they were talking about a structure that was central to their existence. At the temple, prayers were offered and sacrifices were made. At the temple, crowds of people gathered to celebrate the annual festivals. At the temple, people from all over the Mediterranean would come to sing exuberant hymns and to give praise to God at the temple. What noble stones, they said. They described a structure pivotal to who they were. The temple was the center of reality. It was a source of stability in a very unstable world. It exuded confidence, comfort, reassurance, security. The temple symbolized the very presence of God. Imagine their dismay then when Jesus said, oh, you see these stones? Not one, not one will be left standing upon another. How could that be? This was the temple, the strong, sturdy, focal point of their faith, solid. No, 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 surely the, the temple could never fall. The theologian Tom Long has written about this passage and he says, that it points to the provisional character of all human efforts 
No building, no political program, no philosophy, no empire, not even a sacred institution like a temple or a church or denomination is immune from decay and collapse. They are all products of human hands and manifestations of the present age which will all pass away. Nothing in history is eternal, Long says, only that kingdom toward which all history is beckoned. Not one stone will be left standing upon one another, Jesus says. <laughs> and so what do we do? What do we do when the noble stones of our temples and towers are reduced to rubble? Our temples are not only buildings. Our temples are whatever structures we erect in our minds, in our imaginations, in our hearts that hold our world together. together. Our temples give us a sense of order and purpose and meaning. Uh, love for children can be a temple. Marriage can be a temple. Our vocation can be a temple. Political, economic, medical, and military systems can be a temple. When our temples fall, our vulnerability and fragility are laid bare. I would prefer not to come to terms and see face to face the reality of our fragility, mortality, and vulnerability. But Jesus puts it out there. And so a friend dies, a temple falls, and we are stripped of the illusion of immortality. Airliners are weaponized, towers collapse, and a temple falls as the fragility of our way of life is laid bare. A virus mutates, lies propagate, masks and vaccines are politicized, and a temple falls when we realize that truth can be so easily distorted and twisted. Rioters unleash their rage on the citadel of our democracy, and a temple falls as we come to terms with the hatred and violence of many in our society. When temples and towers fall, the earth changes. Mountains shake in the heart of the sea, its waters roar and foam. Over the past 18 months, our temples have been shaken, and our vulnerability has been exposed. Our sense of safety and security has been damaged. And as much as we might want to deny it, when a temple falls, we see that human existence is poignantly fragile. And so what do we do? What do we do when the towers and temples of our lives fall? Jesus takes us by the hand, takes us to Jerusalem, points at the temple and says, they will all fall down. Not one stone will be left upon another. Tragedies will occur. Human life will be lost. But do not be terrified. Do not be led astray. Are, are any of you familiar with that delightful little book, Children's Letters to God? It's wonderful. It's a delightful volume, a collection of children's letters, heartfelt suggestions, complaints, questions addressed to God. One such letter says, uh, Dear God, 
My grandpa says that you were around when he was a little boy. How far back do you go? God has witnessed the rising and falling of countless humanly constructed temples. The good news is that our temple, when our temples fall, God is faithful. Nothing can separate us from God and Jesus Christ. Not even when we are standing in the rubble of our cherished temples. Not even when we are grieving the death of a friend. Not even when the dust from the towers that have collapsed fills our face and hair. Martin Luther, the great reformer, was once asked, what would you do tomorrow if you knew that the world was ending? Do you remember what he said? Luther says, I would plant a tree. What is our work? What are we called to do as disciples of Jesus Christ when our temples and our towers fall? We plant trees. We continue to plant trees of hope and compassion, justice and mercy. In March 2020, when the world shut down, we at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church planted trees. Uh, you, you, you can't gather and perish all to feed the homeless and the hungry anymore. You, you, you can't do that. We didn't miss a week. We put these dinners in bags and we handed them out on the streets. Uh, can't gather for worship? Okay. Then we will record our worship and put it online for all those who want to participate. Oh, you can't sit together for fellowship or a Bible study or a meeting? We learn to Zoom. And we're still Zooming. As Christians, our hope rests in the one whose love for us is eternal. When temples fall, we, of course, will weep and lament and cry and lift up our fear and anger to God. But we don't stop there. We plant trees. And so, my friends, as we remember the horror of 9-11, as that grief is intertangled with all the other griefs and losses and crises of our lives, as we struggle with COVID and political polarization and social unrest, we here at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church will continue to plant trees. The open table is still open. On Thursday evening, Deb and I had the opportunity to participate in this ministry. And if you've never done that, oh, I hope you will. I encourage you to do so. Who knew that planting trees could be so much fun? On October 17th, we're holding a block party to celebrate with joy the gift of community, the ability to come back together, even if in a limited way. And we're going to plant trees of joy and celebration. Tomorrow, the teachers in our day school welcome once again our students to another year of learning and growth. What are they going to be doing this year? Well, they're going to be planting trees. Our many musical ensembles continue to offer extraordinary performances during COVID. And last week, their voices once again reverberated through these walls. Who knew that planting trees it sound so beautiful. 20 years ago, the towers fell. 18 months ago, COVID attacked. 
So it has been throughout human history. And what are we going to do? We are going to plant trees. Amen.